Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today to Hema Patel. Hema is a senior business leader with a passion for transformation and innovation. She's had key roles across media, technology and telecommunications. Hema has a unique background as a chartered accountant and in recent years has taken on broader business leadership roles. She's currently Managing Director for Database Solutions, a division of the global ICT business NTT. She was previously General Manager for Streaming Service Lightbox. Hema has experienced firsthand many of the challenges in leadership, being both Indian and, of course, female. However, she also believes that we can't be what we can't see, and this very much keeps her going. Hema is also mum to two boys and very much is changing the role of a mum in their eyes. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Hema and about her career today. So kia ora, Hema, and thank you very much for joining me. Kia ora, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Lovely. Well, the first question that I would love to ask you will take you just a wee way back to perhaps your childhood or maybe even when you were a teenager. What kind of careers did you dream about or, or maybe aspire to as you were growing up? Wow. So I started life in dairy, as in my parents used to own a dairy. So I'm not sure that I really knew what the world outside of shop life really looked like. I can't say really that I had huge aspirations, but I did know that my dad was very keen for me to be an accountant for lots of reasons, including the fact that he didn't study and then and he really wanted that for his children. And I think beyond that, I just, I, I wasn't really sure. I just knew that I would work hard. I've, I've worked hard my whole life and that's what I did. And, and I thought I would just see where the, where the world took me. Yeah, great. And I can imagine part of that pretty strong work ethic, that kind of, you know, the, the, the hardworking aspect of you may well have come from seeing your parents and I'm guessing probably the long hours that they had to put in running a dairy. Oh, look, very much. I feel very grateful that I have had an education and, and then I have a, a career, which is a Monday to Friday type of a gig, usually. And I just never, I, I could never imagine doing the kinds of hours my parents did. It was, you know, 14, 15 hour days and seven days a week. I used to look at them. They actually retired last year during lockdown, um, well into their 60s. And it's it was painful to watch actually as a daughter and how hard they continued to work. And it's so nice for me to see them, you know, enjoying their retirement in their mid 60s. Yeah, absolutely. And then you said, you know, your dad was keen for you to be an accountant and, and that is in, you know, what you did end up studying certainly for the first little while and became a chartered accountant. What was it about that path that appealed to you? Oh, and uh, I'm just not sure that it was necessarily appealing. I think he was like many Indian fathers, which were lawyer, doctor or accountant, choose one. And I had no desire to, to go into medicine. Um, I wasn't really sure that lawyering was for me either. And so by deduction, I went into accounting. Perhaps he had a level of foresight that I didn't appreciate as a teenager. But accounting for me has opened up so many doors. You know, for me, I thought it would be a five-year career career. 
and it ended up being more like a, a 10 or 15 year one. And it's simply because, not because I'm particularly passionate about numbers, but because there is such a wide range of skills that you build through your career and accounting has just been one of those skills. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you talked about the kind of more broader business commercial understanding. And I think, you know, if you have that accounting foundation of understanding well, what makes the business tick. And when you step back and think about business, everything is about numbers, whether it's about data analysis or whether it's about the P&L and regardless of the kind of business and even a not-for-profit type of a, an organisation, everything comes back to the numbers. And so I think it's, the you know, unfortunately or fortunately, the heart of a business. And I think that's what sparked my career and in business is, is my appreciation and understanding of the numbers. Whether Even if it is a not-for-profit, a social enterprise, a charity, still somewhere along the line, you've got to balance the books. <laughs> but also, I think increasingly, even the conversations about, say, a triple bottom line, we still have to actually quantify the environmental impact or actually look at the data behind what might be going on with your people, perhaps in terms of engagement or retention or diversity. So that analysis side is useful in any kind of organisational metrics. Yeah, really interesting. Well, the other thing, Anna, sorry to, to jump in there, is that the numbers never lie. And and you speak there about triple bottom line. One of the things that, that we're exploring in, in the business that I'm running at the moment is about introducing a volunteer day. So giving our, our team the opportunity to take one day off in a year and to go and co contribute to their communities. Now, there's a hard cost in, involved with that because it's a day where the, the team aren't available to, to work on the business. But when you think about what that gives back to, to society and, and to their local communities, but also most importantly to the people themselves, I think there is absolutely a, a hard number, but actually sometimes it's worth it anyway. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. If you think, Hammer, then about your kind of the first few years of your career, what were some of the highlights of that time, but maybe also some of the tougher bits, some of the challenges of that period? Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to be successful in landing a role at KPMG as my first post-university job. And it was so funny because I remember at the time thinking it was a little bit surreal. It was, you know, KPMG was one of the big five firms at the time. And I I couldn't imagine in my wildest dreams that, that I would land myself that opportunity. So there was certainly a really great way to, to kickstart the career. However, you know, working for such a such a wonderful and global organization such as that also comes with its share of challenges. It's pretty competitive. There are very high standards and requires a level of work ethic, a pretty high, strong work ethic. But when I think about the, I guess, my personal investment in, in my career at the time, it was just absolutely worth it. And so, so I think, you know, I, I very much feel uh, lucky to have started my career there. And when I think about the, the, the skills and the doors opening as a result of that really early great start, I think that that's really paved the way for where, where my career has taken me. I was so lucky a few years ago, a manager of mine, I was following a, a quite a financial path and in my career it is and my manager at the time gave me some advice or he sort of offered me a choice and there were two roles that were available I was doing both of them and it was getting too much so it needed to be separated into two and he said to me Hima do you want to follow you know a, a CFO path and continue down kind of the finance area or 
do you want to broaden your skill set and become more generalist in what you do? And I knew right then that even though I had a really great career founded on numbers, that my passion wasn't actually in accounting. It was definitely business. And so that was a very, very easy choice for me to make. And I guess ever since that conversation and, and that time, I've just really looked to broaden out my skill set. I look at well, the things that I that I don't have or that I haven't done before. And scary though that may feel, I really look at, you know, lean into that, those opportunities. And they haven't always been comfortable and they haven't always been easy. However, you know, that was what's the saying? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think that all of those opportunities have in some way contributed to to who I am and where I am right now. I think it is is often the case that those uncomfortable moments, those places where you feel quite stretched, Mm -hmm. are often those ones where you do grow the most, even if they feel, yeah, pretty tricky at the time. But how nice as well that you had a a manager there who was able to, to see maybe something in you and to give you that choice. Very much. And I think I feel... You know, I, I, I really want to be that for other people as well. I, I had He believed in me and he saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself. And sometimes I think as, as leaders and as women, sometimes it just takes someone to say that they believe in you for, for you to believe in yourself, which is, you know, unfortunately how it is. I wish I had that confidence in myself and increasingly over time I, I am building that. But at the time, he saw it in me and, and if he saw it in me, then it had to be true and I went for it. As you look back on your career to date, what would you say have been perhaps the toughest career challenges or moments that you've had? Wow, so many. But if I can think of one that stands out for me, a couple of years ago, I was working for a business which was for sale and that was Lightbox. And my that year we had huge uncertainty as a team. We didn't know uh, what our future was necessarily going to have in store. We weren't sure whether we would be sold, who would be sold to, whether the purchaser would, would want to employ us. And But we knew that we, ne- we needed to keep our business going and make it as attractive as possible to a prospective buyer. And my goodness, if, if there was ever a challenge, it was that year. It was keeping my team motivated and engaged, but also very much sharing, you know, having really great communication to to keep them informed of every step in that process because it was their livelihoods and their ability to, to take care of their families that we were talking about, you know, and I couldn't offer them any certainty and all we could do was was keep going, soldiering on. And it was just absolutely incredibly tough. It was tough for everybody. And of course, it was very tough for me personally. There was a very lovely silver lining at the end of that, which is that we did find a buyer and the team did stay together. I mentioned earlier about about those things that, that are incredibly tough and then, then tend to be certainly standout moments or the, the things that really define you. That was absolutely one of those things for me, one of those moments in my career for me. How did you personally cope through that uncertainty? Wow, gosh, it was very tough. I had a, a mentor who I, who I checked with on, on a regular basis. I had, thankfully, a coach, so somebody who, again, helped me to, to get through those moments. And actually, one of the things that I did was I went to the gym every day. Now, that was, for me, about well-being. It certainly wasn't about fitness or weight loss or any of these kinds of things. It was just to make sure that I left my desk and then I went and recharged in some way. I'd, I'd nip out at lunchtime. Thankfully, the gym was right across the road. And the really interesting thing about that one is it wasn't until 
the end of the year that someone in my team said to me, it was so great that you modelled that, Hema, because it helped for her, it was it helped her understand or, or that it was okay for her to go as well. And I didn't understand the role modelling impact of that. For me, I was just trying to survive, frankly. And to then understand that I, that, you know, that by, that by doing that, I gave my team permission to do that. I think we often forget about the, you know, the markers or the indications that we give our team. Now, if I had, you know, completely sacrificed all of my well-being and had I been broken, for lack of better words, through that process, I couldn't really couldn't have been there for my team. So for me, it was really just making sure that I was okay and and if I was okay, that I, I knew then that I had the capacity to make sure my team was okay as well. It's a great lesson. You know, have there been any particular challenges as a woman that you faced in your career? That's a good, it's a, look, it's a really good question. And I ask myself this on a reasonably regular basis. Some of the, the bad behaviour I've encountered in my career, I, I, you know, can I attribute that to me being a woman? I'm, some of it probably. Um, I've never been a man, so I, I guess I don't know the other side of that coin. But a, a couple of ideas that come to mind is, you know, I, I have found it very challenging to be heard and to be visible. And what do I mean by that? I think when you're a lone voice at the table, when you're coming at something with a completely different perspective and you're the only one, it's very difficult to make that perspective heard and understood. And actually, I remember a time, one of my old bosses, actually, I I had this very conversation with him saying, you know, I'm really struggling to be heard here. And he said, look, I will endeavour to always make sure that I ask you, even if you feel feel you're not being heard, I will ask you a question and I'll ask you for your perspective. So you better make sure you've got something to say. And it was really interesting at the time because, you know, whilst I was terrified at the idea of having to be put on the spot, it is exactly the thing that I asked for. So he was just instrumental in helping me to be heard at that table. He knew that I had a, a valuable um, opinion or perspective and he wanted me to share that. And so I think, again, it's it's really voicing those challenges to, to the people that can help you with them. Had I not said anything, I, I would you know, potentially not have been heard and I might not have been able to change that for myself. It's always about the courage to have the conversation or to ask the question. I didn't say it was because I was a woman. I just simply said that it was that I was finding it very difficult to be heard and to be visible. I think it's really interesting and that, as you say, almost the first step is to recognise it, but to also not necessarily keep it to yourself, to look for support from others around the table who might be able to help you change that dynamic a little bit and support you along the way, as long as, as well as that piece of recognising for yourself that actually, yes, absolutely, you do have something valuable to add and, and a really important perspective to share. More broadly, you've got a busy work life, likely a very busy life outside of work. How do you find more generally some kind of balance between those two? Yeah, that's a, another good question. I think about, I'm mean, going to think about this, but I don't think about it. As in, I'm not sure that, you know, they, they, what was the thing? The work-life balance. I'm not sure there is actually work-life balance. I think there is a work-life understanding. And if I think about what that means for me, my weekends have always been sacred. Ever since I started my career, weekends are off limits. Now, that doesn't mean I never work in the weekend. It just means that I begrudgingly will do, but I'll absolutely make sure that I can, you know, spend that time with my family at at another point during the week. So for me, that's really important. Outside of that, I just juggle it all. 
And what does that mean? It means that if I have, you know, an hour available in a lunch break or or an an hour without meetings that happens to coincide at lunchtime, I will run myself up to the gym and and if I can, or or just go out for a walk. That self-care piece has become incredibly important for me. I go to yoga once a week and that's just about a, a mental and physical reset letting the old week go and and leaning into the new week. I try and attend every single one of my children's soccer or cricket games and they tend to be on a Friday or a Saturday. Um, Often one of the very few mums that will do that and and that's just, you know, where where we put our priorities. But I worry that I spend so much time at work. This is the guilty mum talking again. I spend so much time with my work that, that I also want to have dedicated time that I am with my children. So there's that. So there's this care piece and having those weekends and family time that is a little bit sacred. But also, and this is going to sound very cliche, so I'm already hating myself for saying it. If you enjoy what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And I know we've all heard that a thousand times before. Now, am I passionate about ICT? Not not necessarily, but I love my job. It's fascinating, really interesting, very, very challenging. And for me, then I don't mind that I have to fit you know, work around home in a lockdown scenario, for example, I don't mind. I don't mind because as long as I get everything done that I want to be able to do, then it's all just swings and roundabouts. So I think I probably was that person 10 years ago, putting work first and everything else last, but children certainly add perspective to your life. (laughs) And also I think, you know, my my biggest learning is in the last few years is, is if I don't create capacity within myself, whatever that means for me, and for me that means yoga and exercise, then I simply don't have capacity to give anybody else. So that includes my my children and it also includes my work. So that's something that I really encourage people in my team, people in my family and my friends as well, is you've got to feed your soul. You've got to do what's right for you because you just won't have anything left otherwise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, a super point. And we talked to him a bit before about some of the tough times. Um, but what about, you know, what have been some of your proudest career moments? I mean, the time at Lightbox was, was, was a great one. I'll give you another example, actually, though. Some years ago, we were building, we had a technology build within the business and I just took over as GM at the time. So I was new to the role and certainly new to technology and, and definitely hadn't managed a team through a technology build before. And I tell you what, if you ever want something character building, it's to put lots of different challenges together all at the same time. And, and I wasn't quite sure how that was going to go for me, to be honest. But I think the good news is that we got there. It was, it was absolutely a bumpy ride. When, you're not a, when you don't have a technology background, and I didn't, to lead a, a team through a technology build, and that included marketing and delivery and project managers and developers and you know external vendors and lots of different things that I'd never really done before. And to get to such a wonderful outcome was just, you know, I almost didn't believe myself until after it was delivered that we did that now it was uh, it's a proud moment for me but it was also a very proud moment for my team and I think collectively you know we owned that outcome and you know the really interesting thing for me when I think about that one is I didn't really own that for, for a very long time because I and you probably heard it me heard me saying it there was about the team and it was about the team but when you think about it and actually the the team under my leadership and it wasn't until I started saying that out loud and, and it's only been in the last few years actually that you know that I realized that I did that 
And really interesting learning, actually, because I think as sometimes as women, it is one of our great strengths that we maybe are more naturally collaborative and talk about we and talk about the team. At the same time, if you're going to learn and grow from those experiences, whether they've been tough or whether they've in the end gone well, actually, you, you do need to reflect and say, well, actually, what, what did I do? What did What was my contribution to make that a success. What did I really learn from that? And probably you can only do that by recognising in your case that your leadership role that you played. That's right. And I think it's important to have those reflective moments because, and you touched on it there really well, Anna, which is as women, you know, we're either in support of our partners or our children or our teams. And actually sometimes we've got to have our own backs. And it took me a little while to learn that. I don't always do it very well I can't say I'm 100% successful in that right now, but it is a learning and it is an evolution and it is absolutely important to take those wins when you see them. It is, and I think that in itself can help to build confidence as well, just taking the time to reflect on what went well. You've progressed to a reasonably senior role at a pretty young age still. Where do you see your career heading in the future, Hema? That's a good question. I never, ever imagined that I would be a CEO. And, you know, for me, I kind of go, well, where where do I go from here? What do I do now? And for me, I think it's just making a bigger bet. You know, I look at the NZX50 and the really real lack of female representation there. And I think there's still a lot for me to contribute to New Zealand, actually. There's lots for me to contribute to business. And so for me, a bigger bet is not necessarily a bigger organisation, although that's probably intrinsically tied to a bigger bet. But actually, you know, how do I contribute more? I think that um, I I work in a really great little part of the organisation at the moment and, and we're doing some really interesting things. And I think the opportunity for me is, is, is to take those learnings at some point in the future and, and contribute more um, to society and, and to the business community. So I don't know if that's a really great answer, but I think it's just keep going. And it's not until I talk to other women, I actually bumped into somebody in the car park the other day and she said, we're so proud of you, Hema. And I thought, gosh, it's you know unusual and interesting. She's a good friend of my sister's and I hadn't seen her in years. And she said, I'll be so proud of you. She said, we need more women like you doing the kinds of work that you do. And she said, you've got the right personality for it and lots of lovely things, which, you know, she showed a lot of kindness, I think, in sharing that stuff. But you forget, I forget all the time that I guess a position, what would be considered to be a position of influence and that I can actually paved the way for change and because I I do those things almost automatically they're just intrinsic to what I do and who I am again it took for somebody to give me that feedback for me to go oh yeah that's right I'm still underrepresented in this world and I've got to keep doing this you know and oh it was just such a poignant kind of reflection for me at the time and I think sometimes, you know, those people quite close to us, when they hold up the mirror, all of a sudden we go, oh yeah, okay, Leah, if I do take a step back, that is pretty good. So I just have one last question for you, Hema, and I'd love to hear what career advice would you have for other women? Yeah, I think advice is, our careers are so personal, and I think that what's right for one person is not necessarily right for another. So I don't think my advice is, you know, do everything you possibly want to can do. I think my advice is very, very simple. My advice is just think about the bullet points on your CV and think about the ones that you, where the gaps are and the things that you might need to add to your CV for you to get to your, the next path that you see in your career. And I know that's really simple when, when you think about it. The, one of the reasons that I, that I am working in the role that I have right now is I didn't understand or I don't have a lot of experience in business to business. My previous, most all of my previous roles have been B2C, so business to consumer, and this is my first B2B role. So I wanted to understand that. 
The second thing I wanted to understand is sales. And again, I haven't had a particularly strong career in, in direct selling. And so the second part, the second bullet point that I wanted to add to my career in this role is, is sales. And so when I think about, and those two things, by the way, are very uncomfortable for me because I feel very much like a fish out of water. However, I know that those are two really important bullet points for me to think about my next bet or the next step in my career. And I have now been afforded the opportunity to master them. Now I haven't mastered them, but I'm on the path. And so for me, it's about, it's bullet points. It's very simple. And I I give that advice to to anybody actually, it's irrespective of what career you have, where you are in your career, it's thinking about the next step that you might like to take and thinking about the next bullet point that you need to, to add to your CV to round out your skill set to give you the best shot at getting there. Super advice. And I think often what I encounter with in my work in coaching women is that women don't always look that far ahead and it doesn't need to be, what do you want to do in 15 years time? Mm-hmm. It might be in three years time, but at least having a bit of a view and it might not be perfectly formed, but even looking at options and as you say, actually building up that toolkit and rounding out that, that skill set that you have to make sure that you're ready to, to take those potential options. That's super advice. Yeah, really good. Kema, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you today and to hear about some of your perspectives on work, on leadership, on balance, uh, whatever that might mean for people and uh, and on managing uncertainty as well. So I really appreciated your, your time and thoughts. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I'm so pleased to have had this conversation with you. I, I don't think we hear about from women enough and I'm, I'm really happy if I can contribute to the story for, for somebody else out there. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. 